Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The ancient Greek philosopher Protagoras once wrote, Man is the measure of all things. Or a modern update, humankind is the measure of all things. Not the gods, not any external measure of value, but you and me, the measure of all things. Sounds a little presumptuous, don't you think? This idea was echoed by the late George Carlin, who once quipped, Have you ever noticed that anyone driving faster than you is a maniac, and anyone driving slower than you is an idiot? Does that describe, everyone who's laughing, that describes you, I know it. It definitely describes me, no matter what speed I might be driving. If someone passes me, it's always a, geez, buddy, take it easy. Or if someone's in front of me slowing me down, first it's the eye roll, and then it's a, you could at least approach the speed limit, you know. Whatever speed I happen to be driving is the measuring stick. The first three commandments, and especially the first commandment, remind us in no uncertain terms that you and I are not the measure of all things. God is. I am the Lord, your God, reads the first commandment. The book of Job reminds us of this. When God responds to Job's complaints about how God is running the world, God and Job are in this ongoing argument, which, by the way, I recommend to any of you, uh, duke it out with God, have a conversation or argument. At any rate, God finally responds to Job, and I quote, Were you there when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or what were its, on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? End of quote. Yeah, who, who did determine Earth's measurements? Who is the measure of all things? Indeed, the Earth and all creation is a wonder to behold. I'd say God got the measurements right, from the Big Bang to the galaxies and solar systems to the impossibly complex blueprints in each one of us called DNA. These measurements are the laws of nature, the laws that come from God, who is the measure of all things. The result is an if-then world of cause and effect, action and consequence. If I let go, for instance, of this paper, what happens? Gravity happens. We can call it every time. If I eat 5,000 calories a day, what's going to happen? I'm going to get, yeah, it's funny. I'm going to gain weight. If there are two rainy days in a row, then what day follows? Monday. These are just laws of nature. And just as the physical cosmos was measured and drawn, so too 
has God measured and drawn a moral universe to reflect God's intention that all of life will thrive and flourish? And because God is the measure of all things, then what happens to all of God's creatures, great and small, matters. Whether our neighbor is treated well or not, matters. Whether we tell the truth with one another to seek common ground with one another or manipulate facts for our own purposes, matters. The Ten Commandments are the measurements of God that remind us of the nature of life and how we are to interact so that life is protected and nourished. Theologians call such laws natural law, the moral equivalent of gravity. In fact, just like the physical universe, the laws of the moral universe have consequences if they are not heeded. If we are unfaithful to each other, there will be, without a doubt, suffering and brokenness in many and varied ways. If we do violence to one another, there will be pain that begets more pain and feeds a cycle of violence. When we disregard these commandments, life is diminished all around. With God as the measure of all things, lives that are forged by the disregard of others are not real lives, but counterfeit, and will collapse upon themselves. The current TV show Westworld illustrates the human fantasy of having no consequences for our actions. It's a really good show. It's really dark if you choose to watch it. In this dystopian future, those who can afford to do so can attend a theme park fashioned after the wild, wild west. Guests at the park are free to act out all of their fantasies, however dark, and can do anything they want to the very lifelike synthetic humans who populate the park. However, there are no consequences for the guests, and hence the appeal. No arrests, no injury, no pregnancies, no guilt. This is sort of like an attempt to break free of the world God made where there are laws and consequences for breaking them. Consequences that hold us accountable to a larger vision, namely the kingdom of God, where life flourishes for all at the expense of no one. It's a very different point of view than I am the measure of all things, whatever speed I happen to be going. Of all the commandments, none is more important than the first. It is the law upon which all other laws are based. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods. As the creator of all things, God is indeed the measure of all things, as Job reminds us. That means we have a very basic, fundamental relationship to God. It means that any discussion about who we are as human beings must begin by talking about our relationship with our Creator. Because we're creatures. We were created by a Creator. In this case, a Creator who is, we learn, a loving Creator. Not aloof or indifferent. Our Creator has not only given us life, but sustains our life 
moment by moment and promises a future for us. An analogy to our dependent relationship with God might be helpful. We are like the earth, and God is like the sun. I have a little visual here to provide for you an analogy. You cannot talk about the earth without reference to the sun around which it orbits. All life on earth is dependent upon the precise nature of that relationship. Without the sun's rays, earth would be a lifeless rock. The first commandment asks us to recognize this relationship, a relationship that is more personal than the first picture, more, more like this. Oh, well, that's more of a dance between the sun and the earth. God's love for us is like the gravity that holds us in orbit. And just as there is only one sun that the earth revolves around, so too is there only one true God upon which all present and future life depends. Unlike the sun, however, our God loves us and makes promises to us. And unlike earth, our orbit is not entirely fixed because while God never lets go of us, we do let go of God. We can delude ourselves into thinking there are better options out there than God. Indeed, there are gods everywhere. Can you think of what some of those gods might be? So, we can drift out of orbit, can we not? We can easily drift to where it's cold and lifeless if we fail to recognize that we shall have no other gods. This is why we need a commandment like remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Just as there is a rhythm to planetary, planetary orbit, there is a rhythm to life where we are invited to hit the pause button on a regular basis. Oh, every seven days or so. And remember who is the measure of all things and in whose orbit we live, and in whose orbit life is given. That is what the Sabbath is for. And then, as the second commandment reminds us, we are to address this God by name. Not in vain for our own purposes per se, but in the purpose of prayer and praise and thanksgiving. What does it mean to have a God, after all. Luther says this in the large catechism. Karen, Karen warmed us up with uh, Luther's teaching in the catechism. Here's one from the large catechism. I quote, I quote, A God means that from which we are to expect all good and to which we are to take refuge in all distress. That now, I say, upon which you set your heart and put your trust is properly your God. That upon which you set your heart and put your trust is properly your God. Now, for that reason, Luther once wrote that there was no such thing as an atheist. By that, he meant that everyone will place their ultimate trust in something or someone. Loving that person or thing 
more than anything else. Whatever it is that we love most and trust most with our life, to make it meaningful, to get us out of bed in the morning, to feel alive, that is your God. And for every one of us in here, there are probably many gods because we're all a little messed up. But here's the catch with whatever it is that we ultimately trust. For we must be able to count on it no matter what. That's what ultimate trust is. We have to trust our car to get us from point A to point B in a provisional sense, but there's not ultimate trust there. Eventually it's going to break down. Ultimate trust. For ultimate trust to work, the one we trust must exceed all measurement and limitation and be based on unconditional promise. No one apart from God can promise that to us. Unconditional, meaning no conditions have to be met on your part. I love you no matter what. I will be there for you no matter what. You have a future no matter what. No one apart from God can promise that to us. Anyone or anything that we might trust in this world has serious limits. It can be measured and is therefore not worthy of ultimate trust. No person that we know can say they will always be there for you because it is not their promise to make. A human life is measured by any number up to roughly 100 years at best. A human life is fragile and not fully trustworthy. We can't help it. If it were not so, would so many well-meaning, good people make the, verage, make the marriage vow till death do us part, only to one day break that vow? We cannot provide unconditional promise to one another. There are too many conditions, too many limitations with us. Brokenness gets in the way. Likewise, no riches that we earn or status we achieve, those are frequent gods for us, are trustworthy because any one of those things can be gone in a minute. Look at the recession of 2008. You want to talk about resources vanishing into thin air? Or you can be gone in a minute and you can't take it with you, riches or whatever. And even while you have whatever earthly pleasure you have in this world, can it be trusted to make you whole? To give you deep happiness and peace? It cannot. We are made by our Creator to be in a life-giving relationship orbit, if you will, with God who is alone, worthy of our ultimate trust, for there are no measurements on the loving promises that issue forth from our God to us. There are no conditions that have to be met. And so I end with this. So trust in this God, for this God is trustworthy. Count your blessings each day as signs and evidence of that trustworthiness and give thanks. Amen.